step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Well, good. Good, good, good evening. Uh, good evening. This is Robert Wilson with Cowboy Wisdom Radio. And I'm late because I had I was late getting home today. And Carly... Uh, Carly Thorne is my guest. Carly on the line? Hi, how are you? I'm here. Yes, I'm here. Late. I apologize. (laughs) I had car trouble (laughs) getting home. Anyway, Carly, Carly Thorne is my guest, and Carly is a speaker, coach, and an author of many books, and her website is Carly... Carly Alicia Thorne.com. It's C A R L Y A L Y S S A T H R O N E.com. And Carly, uh, without, would you please give people a little detail about how you do things and what makes you unique in your own, in your coaching and business style? Sure, absolutely. So, um, Basically, I've had a varied interest in the multi-sensory. So my whole life has been balanced between the Western and Eastern worlds. So I've spent 25 years literally dabbling in Western medicine because I myself have had 35 surgeries. So because of that, I literally had to study Western medicine. And then when I almost died several times, I literally started really wanting to know about the mind, body, spirit, interconnection. And so I studied very heavily Eastern philosophies. And so I paralleled both those paths for 25 years. And obviously, I was also a businesswoman. So I really started incorporating a lot of the philosophies of Eastern styles and started studying Feng Shui. And I really started realizing that a lot of the Eastern philosophies and the organizational skills really had a very big impact in business. And so I started actually um, starting all the different archetypes, and I started started studying a lot of psychology modalities and NLP, neurolinguistics, and really started seeing how all those things started really applying into business and language and communication, communication which is a part of neurolinguistics and um, the organizational philosophies and also color and our senses and how all that really was very much tied into business. And so my business work that I do is a lot of consulting with businesses on organizational psychology. Um, and I, put, I basically integrate Eastern and Western philosophies into businesses. It, I do a lot of stuff, though, however, in the entertainment business, and I do a lot of work with authors and speakers. And I don't do it from a woo-woo place. I really do it from a grounded, applicable place. And a lot of people, we have a tendency in this world to 
speak a lot of woo language, and, and I'm not putting that down. Some people are very much spiritual, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. However, we also have to meet people where they're at, and, and some people don't like that type of language. So I really have to be able, because I'm dealing a lot with lawyers and business people, I have to be able to take that spiritual language or that spiritual knowledge or that type of philosophy and put it in a language that can be understood and used in a very business practical way. So that's how I, I just do it from a very different place. It's still very spiritual and very, um, you know, it still has those principalities. It's just basically done from a very different place. Um, so it's, you know, it's just you have to meet people where they're at. So not everybody wants to hear that type of language or, you know, it just has to be from a very, very grounded place. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and, but people get also when it comes time to expand in their life, if you ain't meeting them where they're at, they get scared and, or fearful, become afraid to have a conversation with you also, don't you feel? Well, yeah, it's kind of like if you're Catholic and you pray and you read the Bible, that's wonderful, except you can't shove a Bible down someone's throat. You know what I'm saying? You can't go, just pray, and it'll all be, you know, you'll be fine. Right. You know what I'm saying? If someone has to be open to that for someone to hear that conversation. You have to be able to wield that into a conversation that someone's open to that. So there's nothing wrong with spirituality. There's nothing wrong with going to church. There's nothing wrong with praying. And if you're going to have those types of conversations with people, you have, you have to do it in a way that someone can hear that. So it's the same thing with the type of work that I do. If I'm, if I'm talking about feng shui, I may not be able to use the words feng shui when I'm talking about energy or organizational management that are feng shui principles. I have to use different language that someone can hear what I'm saying, right? So I may be using the same principles that are feng shui and our energy orientation and talking about plants and, you know, different things and why I put things in certain places or why we're doing certain things. I, may, I just may not be using that exact same language, and that is very true. And also, but you also have some books. There's one out there, The Straight Talk About Social Media. Tell people about that. That one caught my my attention. Well, you know, social media, we have to realize that most people don't get that we are our brand. Whether you like it or not, you are your brand. A lot of people will come up with a business and they'll come up with a name for their business. At the end of the day, whether your business is X, Y, and Z, you are the person behind your brand, and you you are what people are buying. They're not necessarily buying the widget. They're buying you because you're the person that's behind the brand. And so and social media is, is huge. Social media is everything. Um, we live in a world where people are really buying literally semi-reality, if you will. Every little soundbite people are looking at. People really are looking at and wanting to know. People are curious creatures. And I know people are like, oh, I don't really give a, you know, they don't really care what you're eating. They don't really care what you're wearing. They don't want to know who you're dating. Well, the reality is people are curious creatures. And when you post things on social media that are inappropriate and you're ranting and raving about politics, Donald Trump and Clinton, and having heated discussions about that, and you're ranting and raving about whether you're, you know, you're, you're Republican or you're Democratic, that really does affect your brand because, again, you are your brand. 
and I don't think people realize the first, there's three things you never want to post on social media. That is religion, anything that's overtly sexual, and politics. Take it off of social media. Take it in your home. Do you want to have a heated discussion about politics? Do it at your family table. You know, it's, and another huge one is jokes. You have to understand that social media is global. What I may think is cute and funny, someone in a third world country or someone that, by the way, is gender fluid or male or female may not find that joke funny. They may find it very offensive, and you're going to lose a huge population of your social media, you know, whatever, you're following. The point is there's certain things we don't realize that whether you know it or not, whether it's, uh, how can I put this, legal or not, when, when they say that businesses can't look at your social media, they're still looking. Because you have to understand, you represent them. If someone's hired you to do a job, they are going to look at your social media because they want to know what you stand for, what you're doing, because at the end of the day, you still represent them. If you're in any sort of way a public eye and you're, and you're representing them in some shape or form. So if you're posting pictures drunk and with beer and doing all this you know, stuff, it does affect them because you're representing them. So even though they may not really uh, supposedly allow to look at your social media, trust me, they are. And so it goes back to that we are a brand, and a lot of people don't know how to really use social media. They just don't. Um, people really do like, they like seeing pictures of you and your family because, again, they also want to see you beyond your brand. They do want to see what's going on in your personal life. They do want to see the pictures of you and your friends and your family. And the, they want to see the fun things, too. They don't want to just see, you know, book picture and another book picture, you know, like, oh, this is my next book and this is my, my next event and this is my next this or my next this or my next that. And, you know, please buy this and please pitch. They don't want to see all the pitches and all, you know, they want to see a mixture. Yes, a fun pick quote. Yes, yeah, a picture of you and your family. And then, yes, you know, my blog post. And then this and that. However, it's got to be a mixture. It can't just be all sales. It can't be all pictures. And it can't be all, this is what I ate. It really has to be a mixture of things. And you really do need to show your personality. And, yes, of course you want to, you know, talk about what you do as well. Uh, the social media is your business. So um, a lot of it is this, that a lot of people do not know how to use social media properly. And so I call it straight talk because it's literally about the facts of social media. And I'm on on Carly's website, CarlyAliciaThorne.com. And anyway, it's a very interesting website. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm cruising through it here, but I'm finding a lot of things. But... There's one about that really catches my living authentically with Carly Elisa Thorne. Tell people about that and how coaching with you and getting in contact with you actually opens out their authenticity and their passion and purpose at the same time. Yeah, um, that actually I was interviewed by Tanya, and um, she she did an amazing interview. We talked about authenticity and I, I think a lot of people unfortunately don't really live authentically and they don't actually talk and, and don't live their truth. In other words, um, let's put it this way, we all have a past. A lot of people don't talk about their past or don't tell the truth about their past. 
and I I believe in being authentic and living authentically. So, you know, it's like we all become something from our past. So I'm I, I'm so I believe in saying, Hey, okay, this is where I was, this is where I am and you I believe in taking your past and using it as a teaching platform to and and using those tools to teach others that hey, if I've been through this and I can now be where I am now, then you sure as heck can, you know, do better or, you know, more than what I could do. In other words, you know, if I could do it, so can you. In other words, you have to live an authentic life because if you don't live authentically, then you're constantly in fear and running and hiding, always wondering when the other shoe's going to drop. And the way I look at it, it's kind of like women are afraid to tell how old they are. Well, why would I want to date someone if they're going to lie about their age? Because the way I look at it, if you're going to lie about your age, what else are you going to lie about? And why would I want to be with someone who's going to be literally going to lie about something so insignificant about their age? If they're going to lie about that, oh, my God, what else are they going to lie about, right? So we have to be willing to be brave enough to be honest about the things that are, you know, Anything it's important to live an authentic life because that gives us the ability to shine forth and also gives us the ability to show our clients that we're authentic. It's like I've worked with a lot of speakers, and I can't tell you how many times where they'll be on stage preaching something, and the minute they get off stage, they're nothing like that. They're completely not that. So it's like great, sell a bunch of product, put people in debt because you get these people in these high energy where it's buy, buy, buy. And then I, then I call it shelf help. It goes on the shelf because they're never going to use it. But they bought it because they were in this high energy and desperation because they want that quick fix. And yet the person who is selling it isn't even living that authentic life that they're preaching, right? So we have to be willing to live a really authentic life. In order, in order to, you know, be an authentic person. And I'm not saying everyone's perfect. Obviously, we all have inauthentic moments. We all break down. We all have our crises. We all have our pity parties. No one's 100% integrous. No one's 100% authentic, not reality. And that would be impossible to live also, wouldn't it? At the same time. But I'm also on your conscious business collaborations, Carly, and I'm reading down here. There's a lot of things, but how to be a leader without a title? How well, are people afraid to be the leader of their own life? Do you feel? Um, I think a lot of it is because it's. I think a lot of people think that if nobody has a title, it'd be chaotic, and so I think people feel like they have to have a title. And the reality of it is, if if you think about it if we all are willing to listen to people and collaborate, it's kind of strange. <laughs> I, I do um, a lot of these books with Mitchell Levy. He has a company called Happy About, and he also has a platform called, called the Ha That. And I prefer, I, if you look at most of my books on Amazon, most of them are co-authored. Why? Because I have to do half the work, and someone else has half the work, and guess what? The book is done so much faster. And we, I do a lot of quote books, and one of our platforms is 140 quotes. Well, guess what? I can bang out 70 quotes in an hour, 
I, you know, a half an hour, I'll do 70 of them, go do something else, or I'm sorry, like half, 35 of them, go do something else, take a break, then come back and do another. The point is, if you're collaborating with someone, it's so much more fun because it's like you got someone to banter with, you get the stuff done, they get their stuff done, and it's just so much more fun. And it gets done quicker, and I don't feel like the, I have all the burden of doing something. And if I do one book myself, it's so much more work, so much more, just so much more pressure. Um, and so, you know, Mitchell and I talk all the time about, you know, collaborating and doing these books where we, you know, finding someone else that you want to co-author with and they bang out half the quotes, I bang out half the quotes, and we put it together and we find a common thing we want to write about. And, you know, and obviously a lot of people do them alone too. I prefer collaborating. To me, it's just so much more fun and also – I get different points of view. I may have a point of view about death and dying. Someone else may have a different point of view about death and dying or whatever the, the topic may be. And this way an audience is also, by the way, um, having two different points of view, and I, and I reach a larger audience as well. So you've got to remember there's um, auditory, kinesthetic, audio digital, and visual. And so because of my whole platform, I really try and reach – all the audiences and all about the multi-sensory, by working with another person, I'm much more apt to grab a bigger audience by having someone else call author because someone else that's writing is going to be writing things are going to gravitate to someone else that I may not reach. So I think a lot of people are just so afraid to share because they're, they're afraid they're going to lose something somehow. And I feel like it's kind of like the word expert. I feel that there's always, always going to be someone that knows more than I do because there's always new technologies, new books coming out, new expertise coming out in that particular arena. So why would I call myself the expert? There's always new stuff and coming out. I'm never, I'm never going to know the end all about something. So why call myself the expert? I am the leading expert in X. Is that really true? No. I, I can call myself... I am, I am, I am, I'm, I'm knowledge in something. I am, you know, I am experienced in something, but to call myself the number one expert in something is insane. So I think that's what, people, that's what people get wrapped up in the title. They're the number one leading expert in, 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 in you know, the world in this. That's insanity because there's always you know, there's always new information coming out. So to call yourself that is, to me, is not authentic. That is not authenticity. And I agree so with that I, totally. But I'm also on your web page, and I'm under your heading there of uh, of consulting and coaching programs, and there's one that really caught my eye. And it's uh, the art of love, peace, and gratitude. And really, yeah, that's one of my favorites. And what I'm really looking here is open your heart, create harmony, appreciate others. If you start appreciating others, that takes the forgiveness out of it to you, doesn't That does for me because it gives me a value of the experience of the person. How do you feel about that? Well, obviously, um, the love piece, gratitude piece came for me. It's like I said, I've had 35 surgeries, actually more than that now. I've almost died several times. I'm bionic now. I have two new shoulders, two new knees. So you really learn. I'm 52 now. You know, I actually I didn't finally get my new life probably until I was 50, 
because then I also have my my new eyes. So the point is, I actually, for the first time, I I had cataract surgery when I was 50, 50. So I got my new limbs when I was 48. I got new shoulders in 50. I got new knees, and then in 50, so 48, I got new knees, 49, I got new shoulders, and 50, I got new, my, my cataracts are finally removed. Well, I'm sorry. But anyways, I finally saw, I saw for the first time, I've had glasses since I was three years old. And I can't begin to tell you, when they took the films off my eyes, I've never not had glasses, like I said, since I was three years old. Well, when they took the cataracts off my eyes, I never knew it was not like to not see blurry, even with glasses. So, I literally saw the world for the first time without um, without a blur. It was like I was like a, I can't begin to tell you. I literally could see without glasses and without a film. I mean, so so it's I don't know. I don't know if you, I mean if you talk to people. I've worked for hospice and I've had experiences with people transitioning. When you when you dealt with people like that and. Um, people have had terminal illnesses or have gotten cancer and those types of things. When you talk to those types of people, then you can understand what true gratitude is or what that feeling is like to understand gratitude. It, 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 it's, it's, you know, mm-hmm. having that experience of really having phenomenal loss to understand what that love, peace, gratitude, peace is. When you really, really lose something and then all of a sudden you have the experience of you know, coming back. Um, it's, you know, it's just really amazing because you understand what real losses and then all of a sudden something, you know, you have this experience and you're like, oh, my God. Like, I really see for the first time or I really, you know, I, um, you know, I have this gratitude of, oh, my God, this is what the world, world really looks like. I, you know, I finally can really see or I can finally really walk or I can, you know. And also like letting go of grudges and of hate and of, you know, pain or whatever those things are. Or, you know, if someone's been through rape or, you know, abuse or anything like that, like, you know, I grew up with that. It's like really letting go of those things and and not hating people or, you know, like just being able to really live. I mean, those are really impactful moments for people and that they can like not hate people and let go and, it's not about, you know, all of a sudden you're saved or, you know, anything like that. It's just really having the gratitude of having been through something and realizing that it's made you into something stronger and, you know, better. Not, you now have the opportunity of helping other people. And also at the very bottom, I love this one. How to use NLP on stage in, an event, in the events set up. How is NLP used in the world, Carly, and people don't even know it's being used on them through the media and stuff like that? Oh, my God. It's used all the time in media. It drives me crazy. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. Social media. Um, How many times have you gone onto a squeeze page? You know what a squeeze page is, right? So if you're you're Uh, going to buy something, if, if you're on a website and you're going to buy something, right, and the, the page just scrolls and scrolls and scrolls. And, and, and then every once in a while, you see red ink, and it's the, it's the buy button. And, that, you know, like, stop here and buy. Well, okay, red, 
is stop, right? How many times did you see a stop sign when you were a kid? What color is it? It's red. What color is stop? Right. Okay, so NLP is neurolinguistic. It's an unconscious thing. So when you were a kid, mama did what when you saw a stop sign? What did your mother do? She did stop. And she grabbed your hand, right? Stop. Look both ways. Stop. Look both ways. So most squeeze pages, squeeze, a squeeze page is a, a website like the scrolls and scrolls and scrolls. Information, information, give you, you know, like tons and tons of information why you need to buy the product. And it's usually verbal and then it has text and videos and all this stuff. But anytime it comes to where they want you to buy, it's red. Stop. 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 It's always red. So, it, you know, and, and so everything is unconscious, right? Stop is red. Stop, red, stop. So it's amazing if you look at, you know, marketing. Marketing, they use colors that are unconsciously, you know, unconscious. And normally if we see red, we stop. So you know, there's tons of marketing color, um, you know, commercials, um, unconscious marketing, and, and the colors of text is is crazy. Um, that I, I, I teach a lot about colors and marketing and what colors and text and size and all that crazy stuff. But, yeah, you can set up a whole room, um, how the seats are, what angles they are to get people to actually conform to what you want just by seating arrangements and colors and, and sounds and smells and all that stuff. And that is something, that NLP is really something. But I'm also on your uh, webpage, on your website, The Art of Letting Go and Truly Celebrating Life, The Five Stages of Mourning, Letting Go, and Reclaiming Your Power in Any Area of Life. How are we afraid to let go of something, Elisa, or Carly, and really move it forward and expand into the new? How are we afraid of that? because we was taught that the new was a scary place. Well, a lot of it is, you have to understand, too, is um, recalling something for a lot of people can be extremely traumatic, and most people don't know how to deal with people that have post-traumatic stress disorder, and walking them through it or giving them the tools to deal with it, it just depends on what the person went through and if they really do have post-traumatic stress disorder or if it just was someone passed away. You really have to know most of the problem is that most people don't do the proper intake or, as I would say, interview with someone to find out what really happened. Is it, you know, if someone just passed away, that's one thing. And just because someone passed away, you kind of need to know what the person grew up with. In other words, if someone grew up with any sort of abuse, like massive sexual, verbal, physical abuse, and someone passed away, their process of mourning is going to be very, very different than someone who didn't go through that. Most people don't know that. So if you're someone that's been through a lot of abuse and someone passed away, your process is going to be very different than someone who hasn't gone through that. And so most people don't take that into account. It's um, it's very interesting how most people don't don't do the proper intake. They don't do the proper interviews with people. They just counsel people, 
and they don't really do any of the proper intake. And you have to know what someone's been through. You can't just go, okay, you know, someone passed away. Okay, great. Let me take them through the five stages of grief. And not only that, you know, everyone's five stages of grief doesn't necessarily go in, you know, the five stages in order. It, it goes very differently for everybody, and some people don't go through all five stages. You know, they go – it's just everyone's different. Um, however, you have to know what people have been through before you just kind of, um, you know, it's just very different for everybody depending on what they've been through. Yeah, and that is the biggest thing is you got to make it very personal for that person so they feel comfortable in getting to the the hidden the hidden issue that really will expand them. Do you feel that? Exactly. Yeah. It's like we we have a society where it drives me crazy where we have, you know, like for example, like uh, diets, which I also hate the word diet. Um we have this cookie cutter mold. Here's the diet and follow it and, and you'll lose weight. Well, it doesn't kind of work that way. And the words we use are so detrimental. It's kind of like, why would you want to lose weight? What happens when you lose your keys? What's the first thing you want to do? If you lose your keys, what do you instinctively want to do? You want to go find them and get, right. first of all, so, you get frustrated. Right. Well, okay, then, so you just Right. So why would you want to find weight? It's kind of like, we use these words, diet, first of all, is restrictive, and, and you just said the magic words. You want, to, you want to find them. So why would you want to lose weight? You want to find the weight back? No. It's like we need words like lifestyle change. You know, um, you know, it's all about a new lifestyle. It's about releasing the weight. It's about releasing because that's what it is. Weight is is all emotions. It's all stuff we put on. That's all the stuff that we've been holding on to. It's about releasing. It's not wanting to go find the weight again. It's about releasing. It's about a new lifestyle. It's about life choice. And so all the words we put around diets, it's craziness. So it's like I go crazy with the words we use around things that are supposed to be healthy. We put all these horrible words around them. And then again, if you study neurolinguistics and words and communication, all those words can just literally don't, aren't, they're, it's counterintuitive. They're not helpful to help you release anything. They're actually more restrictive, which makes you more nerve-wracked, so you don't actually release anything. You just actually makes you, it makes it worse. <laughs> it's craziness. It really does. And, but, you know, something I've really looked back at, Carly, and I really understand now, through English class, we have been taught limitation by the words we use. Yep. We thought we were doing everything properly. And that's the thing. But I want to get to this one other thing you have on your website, CarlyAlisaThorn.com, production, acting, hosting, producing, and directing. And you get to see how beautiful Carly is here. But that one really catches my eye. So you not only can coach people, but you can also show them how to, how to do the acting and expand their life into many other things is what I feel and see here. Am I on the right path there? Yeah, well, you know, kind of 
I grew up with massive sexual verbal physical abuse, and the acting and the singing and all the other stuff was my way of I, people call me the chameleon. I took all these different people, like me's, you know, you know, chameleon. I kind of channeled all the stuff that I went through into being all these different characters, if you will. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I spent all my life behind the camera in some shape or form, whether I was um, singing or dancing or just being all these different characters. And you know, I did all different types of modeling and fitness. I, you know, was always doing fitness of some kind and just, you know, just channeling it into all these different areas. And part of my consulting, all that consulting I was doing was on sets. When I was working with speakers, I was on sets. You know, I was helping them, um, teaching them how to speak on stage, whether it be um, I, I've interviewed over 500 speakers. Um, it's long story. 25 years of my life has been behind the camera, in front of the camera, in some shape or form, producing, directing, interviewing. I was either being interviewed. They were, I, you know, I was interviewing speakers. Um, and I was working in production, so I was producing, directing, I was doing makeup, I was doing wardrobe, I was doing, you know, some shape of production in some shape or form. I was producing events, you know, setting up events, speaker events, just doing, you know, some shape of production, but I was always also consulting on color and production and all that stuff. So it all, all tied in together, and I was always doing organization, so I was organizing events, so I was setting up events, so it was, you know, it was all intertwined. And Carly, we're all right. Carly, we're out of time. Give people all your address, uh, the way to get a hold of you, besides your website, or if that's all you want to give, so that everybody gets it right. And I'll close out the show. Sure, Um, I can reach at Carly C A R L Y A T H O R N E at gmail dot com, and of course my website, Carly. C-A-R-L-Y-A-L-Y-S-S-A-T-H-O-R-N-E.com. And the best way is my email, carlyathorn at gmail.com. And it's been a joy being with you. I thank you so much. And I wish everyone a beautiful, wonderful holiday. Blessings to all. And thank you, Carly. And I will say good night. And I'll wish you and everybody a very Merry Christmas and a very prosperous New Year. And a very excellent 2017. Absolutely. Thank and you good so night. much. Good night. Good night. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.